It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Oh yeah, baby! You know, Mitch. They love their cougars. Mitch Harper. Good afternoon, Cougar Nation. Welcome to a new edition of the Cougar Tracks podcast on KSLSports.com. I'm your BYU insider, Mitch Harper. The Cougar Tracks podcast is streaming live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the KSL Sports YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. It's also available in podcast form on all major podcasting platforms. So if you're watching live right now, feel free to share your questions and comments on the show today. It's Wednesday, September 14th. Here's the roadmap for today's show. BYU versus Oregon, a top 25 clash in Eugene. Break down the game a little bit and also some key players that you need to know on the Oregon Ducks. An interview I had with BYU defensive lineman John Nelson. Nelson is becoming one of the top defensive linemen in the BYU program. So you hear my conversation, my one-on-one with BYU's rising star along the defensive line. And then the Cougars picked up a massive commitment because he's a massive human being. Ethan Thomason, break down the 2023 recruiting class, the latest there, as the Cougars are getting some big wins on the recruiting trail. You can follow me on Twitter, at Mitch underscore Harper, and follow KSL Sports on all the social media platforms as well. BYU and Oregon kicks off at 1.30 p.m., on Network Fox, big, big Network Fox, and it's also going to be airing on KSL News Radio. We'll have extended pregame live from Eugene at 10 a.m. Mountain Time, so stay tuned for that. I'll be out in Eugene uh, coming to you from Autzen Stadium with an extended pregame show. We're going to have some good conversations with some good interviews, uh, some Oregon insiders, and also got a f- uh, potentially a former BYU football player joining us as well on the program. So it should be... A lot of fun between the Cougars and the Ducks. And this is a game to me that, I'm not going to lie, it's it's a scary spot for BYU. Not because BYU is not capable. It's not that at all. I think BYU, honestly, is the better team because they've got more structure. They've, They've got an identity. You know what BYU football is, and their coaching staff is proven. This is a successful BYU football team. Oregon has a lot of unknowns. Incredible talent uh, based on the star ratings. You know that. But their coaching staff, a a lot of unknowns because Oregon head coach Dan Lanning, who comes over from Georgia, 
who was the defensive coordinator there. We don't know yet if he's a good head coach or not. It takes time for first-time head coaches to have success. Look at Kalani Satake. Once a defensive coordinator, he started his BYU career with a 1-3 and record. Now he's evolved into a very good coach at BYU. Uh, but th- this is a, a tricky deal, especially when you're taking over a much-publicized program like Oregon. Uh, Dan Lanning's in a unique spot. We're seeing it with Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame. It's not easy to just become the guy and have instant success, even with the, the brand on the helmet, would suggest that they always have success. It's not always the case. So uh, it's going to make for a unique game. And again, kickoff will be at 1.30 on Fox and KSL News Radio. I'll be up there at Autzen Stadium. I'm excited to check out Autzen. I've been there in the stadium just observing on, on travels uh, in an empty stadium years ago. Haven't been there in a very long time. Never been there for a game. So excited to check out Autzen live in action. And I think it's it's a cool matchup. BYU is going to get paid $1.1 million to go up to Eugene and play the Ducks. This was a game that was scheduled back in 2015. And it's wild to think of all the changes, not only with BYU, with Oregon, with college football, since that scheduling announcement. And it's proof that... Uh, these, these long-term scheduling announcements are just dumb. Because at the time when BYU announced the addition of Oregon to the schedule, Oregon was fresh off a college football playoff appearance. The Ducks were the it thing in college football. They're still a big deal. There's no doubt about that. They're nationally ranked. They, they got a good program. But they, they've kind of taken a little bit of a fall from what they once were with Chip Kelly and Mark Helfrich kind of carried it over a little bit. BYU was in the thick of independence. No end in sight. Bronco Mendenhall was the head coach. Helfrich was the coach at Oregon. It's just wild to think. And now BYU's going into a money game, a buy game for Oregon. And BYU's the higher ranked team. They're going to be a power five team next year. A lot changes. I'm surprised that Oregon was one of the few teams that had enough pull to get a one-and-done with BYU. That always surprised me. I know that Oregon had just like a unique opening in their schedule. But to me, it was like, does Oregon warrant the status of being good enough to to earn a one-and-done with BYU? To me, they're a program that should be a home-and-home. And and that's that. But, hey, BYU... As an independent, when they were operating on their own dime, you get a $1.1 million payday, hard to turn down. BYU's done this before. They went to Nebraska and got a $1 million paycheck. They beat the Cornhuskers. On the flip side, they also lost in a pay game, uh, Michigan, in 2015 as well. The Cougars cashed in a check of $1.3 million. There's been other games like LSU, Missouri, where BYU's had big, paydays, but those were neutral site games. I know LSU was not really neutral with it being in the Superdome, but originally it was going to be in Houston. Uh, But to have a game uh, on the road with no return game to Provo, uh, not very often that this happens for BYU. Uh, So the Cougars go into a matchup where they'll get a big payday and they got a chance to pull off a victory too. The Cougars are an underdog in this game. The, The wise guys in the desert... Uh, have Oregon currently as a three and a half point favorite over BYU. 
Some players to keep an eye on for the Oregon Ducks this week. Linebacker Justin Flo. He missed Tuesday's practice, uh, but apparently, reportedly was back on Wednesday. Flo is an all-world type talent. I mean, coming out of high school, five-star recruit. One of the best prospects Oregon has ever signed in their history. Justin Flo is a player to keep an eye on. I think through the first two weeks, he's been... Kind of pedestrian, but I think there's just lofty standards and expectations of our guy like Justin Flo. Uh, but he's someone to keep it on. He missed Tuesday, but back at practice on Wednesday. Wide receiver Seven McGee. You know, BYU's defensive backs are very confident they can play a lot more man press, get up against the line of scrimmage, and and have that athleticism and versatility that BYU secondary has never had. One of the top receivers for the Ducks is Seven McGee, who uh, his status remains questionable at the moment, uh, Dan Lanning earlier in the week did say he was pretty optimistic that he could play, uh, but it's something to monitor there in the injury front for the Ducks. Same with offensive lineman Ryan Walk. He's one of uh, a handful of experienced offensive linemen for Oregon. Uh, they're also optimistic he will play as well. And speaking of that old line for the Ducks, Alex Forsyth and TJ Bass, experience galore. So it'll be another physical test for BYU. Uh, also, linebacker Noah Sewell, you know all about him, Orem High guy, uh, local kid, BYU recruited him heavily, but just didn't factor into the mix. You kind of wonder where BYU could have stood for a guy like Noah Sewell if they had the Big 12 affiliation at that time. Because at that, at that moment, too, I, I believe Noah Sewell had a mother that was working in the BYU football program as like a secretary or something along those lines. You just kind of wonder what could have been had BYU had that Power 5 label and had the Pac-12 lost a little bit of its luster, losing USC and UCLA. You know, that's something that's going to be very interesting for me going forward when it comes to recruiting up against the Pac-12, or Pac-10, is will there be as much of an incentive for recruits to want to play, or will it be as desirable of a league to go play in when you don't have the peace of facing USC or UCLA in that conference. I still think Washington and Oregon, and, and to a lesser extent Utah, have some cachet on the recruiting trail. But uh, I mean, what more do they have to offer than BYU? I think Oregon's got all the the Nike. That's still always going to be a cool piece if you're a big Nike head. That you know, Oregon's got a lot of swag. It's it's very cool to play at Oregon still, uh, but. To me, BYU's got one of the best recruiting pitches out West. You know, after USC, I think BYU's in that grouping of teams that's got one of the best offerings they, they out West in college football. And so I, I th- find that to be very interesting because Oregon has been a program over the years that BYU and teams in the state and regionally have lost out quite a bit to. Uh, Oregon has, has been always a threat. You look up and down the roster – of Oregon's talent, like Jeff Bossa, he's a guy that came in as a safety, former Kearns High guy, goes to linebacker now for the Ducks, and he's contributing for Oregon. You'll hear his name called uh, quite a bit as well when BYU's offense is on the field. So uh, a lot of interesting personnel tidbits and nuggets with the Oregon Ducks. And, of course, quarterback Bo Nix, a lot of eyes will be on him. He's someone that I don't think he's one of the, he's not one of the better quarterbacks BYU's going to face this year. BYU has the decisive edge when it comes to the quarterback battle against Oregon. Jaron Hall is head and shoulders better than Bo Nix, but uh, with all the talent that's around Bo Nix, considering this Oregon roster, based on the 24-7 sports talent composite ratings, 
This is the seventh most talented team in college football. So on any given day, you know, if, if Oregon puts their best product forward, they are more than capable, especially with the backdrop of Autzen Stadium, they're more than capable of knocking off BYU. And I think, you know, the Autzen the Stadium component has been much discussed this week, which is a little bit surprising because you look at the tickets, there's a ton available still, and I got to imagine a ton of BYU fans are going to gobble up those tickets. But going on the road, new environment, always a tricky thing to do for BYU or for any team for that matter. And Oregon has had a lot of success at Autzen Stadium, 20 consecutive non-conference victories at home. They're good at Autzen Stadium. It's tough to beat them there. So if BYU can do this and take down the Ducks, to me, this is a breakthrough moment. If you want to legitimately consider BYU for the playoff or for the New Year's Six, they have to win this game. And if they do, because of the struggles of Notre Dame and because Arkansas is in Provo, and because Stanford's just an average team and Boise State looking kind of average, this schedule suddenly sets up. And with a great win over Baylor in your back pocket already, this schedule sets up for BYU to make a run. you got to get it done against Oregon. Because BYU has been a team in the past that they'll get the big wins. They'll get the highs of highs. Knock off Wisconsin in 2018. A few weeks later, get crushed by Washington. Get the wins over Utah and Arizona State. Then lose to Boise and then lose to Baylor. Can you maintain it week in, week out? This is an experienced group for BYU. Very experienced. You're still dealing with the day-to-day stuff with Puka and Gunnar Romney, but you've got guys in the pipeline on the depth chart that are more than enough capable to step up. And I do think, too, BYU's ground attack will be better against Oregon. I don't look at that as something, oh, no, they can't get the run going with Chris Brooks. I think they'll be fine. Baylor was just one hell of a defensive front that BYU couldn't couldn't have success with with Tyler Algier last year. Uh, I don't think that's anything to worry about, honestly. I think BYU will bounce back. How much yards will they get this week? I think you'd ideally like to get at least 175 on the ground. But I still think this is going to be a game you got to win through the air. you got to have those explosive plays, big plays through the air, if you want to take down the Ducks. And I think there's an opportunity for that for BYU. Defensively, the Cougars have to keep the, the speed in check for Oregon. And one of those guys that's going to try to contain the Ducks is BYU defensive lineman John Nelson. And at practice yesterday, I caught up with BYU's sophomore lineman who has quickly made a name for himself in this BYU football program. So here's my conversation with BYU defensive lineman John Nelson. And it's right here on the Cougar Tracks podcast. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) 
BYU versus Oregon week. Cougars getting ready for a top 25 clash once again. And joining me now is BYU defensive lineman John Nelson. And, John, you've had a lot of success the first two weeks. How would you assess maybe your individual play uh, through the first two weeks of the season? Uh, it's been it's been uh, good. I mean, I've worked really hard in the offseason, but, you know, people don't see uh, all the mistakes that, you know, the players and coaches do. So there's a lot of room for improvement. And, uh you got to take the victories, but you also got to look at your uh, your own personal losses and uh, correct as best you can each week. That's been a theme with with this team uh, through you know two wins where you guys have played in impressive fashion. Yet the narrative's been to improve still. But maybe just for you personally, what's an area that you're looking to improve going into week three? Uh, this week, uh, I just need to know my better. I need to know my assignments a little better. I can snap off blocks a little better. Uh, there's a couple times I was in the right position, but I just couldn't get off the block fast enough. And uh, see, I could have made a tackle, but uh, I just need to get better at that. So, how was it practicing in the rain today? Uh, it was great. You know, I think that uh, you couldn't ask for a better practice weather because this is what Eugene's going to be. So, it's supposed to rain the day we play him, but uh, it's all right. I mean, I like the rain; wasn't too bad. Tell us a little bit about your path here to BYU. I know this is your second season with the program, but uh, coming out of high school, I believe Salem Hills, uh, you know, kind of an under-the-radar recruit. Uh, tell us a little bit about your journey to BYU. Yeah, I, uh, I was kind of overlooked in high school. I wasn't mature all the way. I'm still not mature. I still think I'm a little kid. But, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Coach Tuyaki saw me at a camp, and before I, I – my senior year was my best year. I didn't really have a ton of tape on defense for my junior year, and he kind of took a chance on me, and – I kind of took it and ran with it, and then uh, ended up here. Had a had a great short year, but I just had to stay confident myself and know, knew that I could play. So, what was your uh, or when did you get into to football? Because I know you got family ties to the game, but when did you personally get into the game? Six years old, black football. And, uh, yeah, and football. I take it then, based on that young of age, it's been a love of yours. Yeah, I mean, you love stuff that you're good at. Uh, it rewarded kind of my physical gifts and. Uh, I took it and ran with it, so I loved it. My family helped me out, and they're all great athletes, so it really helped to have examples. And part of your family connections with uh, Porter Gustin, right? Uh, yeah, he's my first cousin. And uh, how, uh, how often do you keep in touch with him? And A lot, yeah. We, uh, we talk to each other about film, and we do stuff in the offseason. We're always working, and he's, he's, he's crazy. He's, uh, he's always a guy that's been the hardest worker on the field, in the, in the defensive line room. I learned a lot from him, and kind of what it takes to be a defensive lineman I looked up to him he was you know five years older than me so I was in junior high when he was kind of in high school and I just took it that is took him as a role model and uh just kind of try to uh, follow his lead and then your other cousin uh she plays basketball here at BYU right yeah his little sister Lauren yeah she's she's an animal she's she's also a really hard worker and takes it very serious and like I said she's gonna be the hardest working player on the court and I try to do that uh, with my own personal career, I try to be the hardest working player on the field, and it's just uh, just what we do. Did you want to go to BYU when you were growing up? Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought about it. My mom played at BYU, and we kind of always uh, always had lagging to him. Obviously, we're LDS, so we always kind of keep following. And and then uh, my cousin obviously went to USC, so I kind of cheered for USC for a little bit. And uh, my dad played basketball at Boise State, and we lived in Boise, so it was kind of. I mean, I, I uh, didn't see myself going to BYU, but I definitely you know didn't resist it at all. John, I've heard that you're the strongest guy in the weight room. That's according to players on, around the team. What are some of your personal best numbers in the weight room with bench press and things like that? Oh, of course, I'm, of course, I'm the strongest guy on the team. Uh, no, I, I'm definitely not the strongest, but I'm up there. I, I try my best. Uh, I, I obviously the weight room is a very big part of what we do. It's 
probably half of what football is is being strong in the weight room. So uh, I did 225 for 22 reps uh, this year. I kind of had a hurt shoulder from last year, so I think I could have got more. Uh, I've squatted 550 before, power cleaned around 300 pounds, maybe 300 plus. They do it in kilos, so I'm trying to think about what uh, transfers over. But, yeah, I just uh, always, always got to stay humble in the weight room. Last thing from me, uh, this week, Oregon, uh, a Pac-12 team, same conference as that USC squad that you grew up watching. Uh, what's going to take for BYU to get another victory against Oregon? We just got to uh, follow this wave of confidence. Uh, it was great to beat Baylor last week, but we have another tough competition this week. So we got to play like we know we can play and uh, treat this as this whole new week and have a short-term memory and uh, play physical and just uh, take it one drive at a time like we did at Baylor. BYU defensive lineman John Nelson. Big thanks to him for joining me on the program today. John's been an impressive player along the defensive front. Just his physicality in there. Uh, he's becoming one of the top guys. I mean, you go back to January. Uriah Leatawa, after he kind of had a post-career wrap-up for his days at BYU, I, I spoke with him, and he told me, keep an eye on John Nelson. He will be a stud for BYU. I mean, these are the guys that are in the battles, in the trenches every single day in practice. And I thought that was noteworthy. And even in spring ball, a lot of John Nelson's teammates were saying, keep an eye on John Nelson, just a relentless worker. I think that's one of the calling cards for a guy like Nelson. And, you know, BYU is one of those teams going into this Oregon matchup. They don't have the star power like Oregon does. But they do have guys that are like a John Nelson who maybe get overlooked in the recruiting game. And they are just relentless workers, guys that can push a ton of weight in the weight room, and they're becoming studs. And the player development, the confidence in the system that Kalani, A-Rod, Elisa Tuiaki have in the way that they develop players, it's working. And BYU, even though the stars would suggest that their roster shouldn't be the 12th best team in the country, they're they're developing their depth, and it's it's in a great spot as BYU gets ready to go to the Big 12 Conference beginning next year. And when BYU's in the Big 12 Conference, they're seeing a recruiting bump in the star ratings. You're seeing more high-profile recruits latching on to BYU as they continue to move forward towards Big 12 affiliation. On Wednesday, BYU got a huge commitment from an offensive tackle from Fort Collins, Colorado. six foot eight, 325-pound offensive lineman, Ethan Thomason talked about him in the summer about being one of the top guys that BYU is going to be targeting in this class. This is a huge get for BYU. He announced his commitment on NBC affiliate nine news in Denver this morning. And he had a final five of teams like Nebraska, Oklahoma state, Stanford, Utah, and BYU. That's a good list of schools. And he picks BYU over those teams. I mean, that's the type of recruit that you want to consistently get when you're going into the Big 12 Conference. LDS has plans to serve a mission, got a laundry list of Power 5 offers, and you get him. You know, if you're not a Power 5 team, do you still get him? Maybe, because I think the the pull of of being LDS, being at the faith-based school, that's always there for recruits. It's It's always been a thing for BYU, despite its lack of conference affiliation or back in the day when they were in, you know, non-power leagues in the WAC and Mountain West Conference. But Thomason, I think, represents what BYU was capable of in the Big 12 era. I mean, you look at this weekend. BYU got Sialia Sarah, 
from Timview, who is going to be a fantastic edge rusher for BYU. He's going to be really good. I mean, that, that was a huge get for BYU. And then Thomason, along the offensive front, you're maybe looking at the next Blake Freeland in a best-case scenario. Uh, that's the potential of Thomason. And unlike Freeland, he comes in physically as a guy that he's got a, he's got a build that's ready for the offensive line. He's played a ton of snaps along the offensive front. You have to wait for him, though. Thomason's going to join the BYU program in 2025 after he serves his mission for the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints. But a huge get for BYU and its program uh, to land Ethan Thomason because you now have Cialia Sarah, you have Jackson Bowers, the four-star commit, you got Ryder Burton, you got Josiah Phillips, the wide receiver, Landon Chambers. I'm telling you, this is one of the better classes I've seen on paper BYU land. Uh, since 2010, I think this is the best class in terms of packing that star punch that you kind of want from recruiting classes. This one's got it. Now, you go to the 2018 class, and that probably in the Kalani era has been the best class because it produced Zach Wilson. It produced Tyler Algier as a PWO. It produced Dax Milne. But I think this class, they got a bunch of guys that in year one, when they step foot on campus, whatever year that may be, they could be contributors out of the gates. And I think that's a, a promising thing for BYU because these are highly rated guys. You know, Landon Chambers, the, the running back from Texas, he's been outstanding through the first three weeks of the season out of Fossil Ridge, Texas. He is a huge get. And I, I said it back in August, in July, how he's not a four-star is beyond me because that guy has uh, tons of talent. Like, I think when he steps foot on campus next year, if BYU gets his letter of intent to sign this December... You're talking about a guy that could be RB1 next year. That's how good Landon Chambers is and what he could be when he steps foot at BYU. Thomason's big time, too. Uh, BYU's got some difference makers in this 2023 recruiting class. You're seeing the bump from being in a Big 12, being in a Power 5 conference. It helps. Players want to be part of conferences. They want to be part of the best conferences. And I think also, too, okay, Big 10 SEC, fine. Whatever you do your thing. But BYU's got a great game day environment. They've got great NIL opportunities. There is a lot to like about what BYU's recruiting pitch suddenly becomes. And the missing piece was that Power 5 affiliation, and now that can't be held over the heads of BYU anymore. It just can't. They can offer it. And in basketball, too, I can only imagine what basketball is going to be able to pull out of the transfer portal and in recruiting going forward. Bright days ahead for BYU on the recruiting trail, and Ethan Thomason was the latest nice boost for BYU in its 2023 recruiting class, which, by the way, only three months away till signing day. It's not that far. Uh, signing day will be here before you know it as these 2023 recruits get ready to sign their letters of intent coming up later this fall. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Cougar Tracks podcast. I hope all of you enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Leave a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a ton. So here's some scheduling notes. Tomorrow, BYU defensive lineman Tyler Batty will get a check-in on him. How is he feeling? What's his plans for this weekend against the Ducks? And then coming up on Friday, another episode of Cougar Tracks from Oregon. We get you ready for BYU and the Ducks. Game day on Saturday, kickoff at 1.30, extended pregame on KSL at 10 a.m. with myself and Matt Biamonte live from Eugene.
Talk to you next time here on the Cougar Tracks podcast, powered by kslsports.com. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.